of his feet. And we too are disciples who want to follow closely uh, what Jesus has done and what he said. And Paul, he says this, he says, follow my example. And you might seem, well, that's a bit uh, arrogant, isn't it? Uh, follow my example. Who does Paul think he is? Who does Paul think he is? Follow my example. Uh, I guess most of us wouldn't say that, would we? Uh, we wouldn't say, look at me, uh, just follow me, do what I do. Maybe some of you would, I don't know, but uh, I certainly wouldn't uh, think that you should be following my example. And when Paul says that, really, we know um, what he's talking about. He says, join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. And Paul, in another letter to his letters to Corinthians, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So what Paul really is getting at is, is follow me as I demonstrate what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So Paul is encouraging people really to follow Jesus. Just as Jesus said, come and follow me. That's what we were thinking about last week. And it is a, a follow on. Because Paul, in the previous uh, few verses to that that we read in chapter 3, he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him. That's what Paul is interested in, becoming like Jesus. And of course, as disciples, we want to become like our master, Jesus. Rick Warren says this, he says, becoming like Christ is a long, slow process of growth. Spiritual maturity is neither instant nor automatic. It is a gradual, progressive development that will take the rest of your life. So if you're still alive, if you're still breathing, then you are still developing in your discipleship of following Jesus. I don't know about you, but sometimes you, you get to a certain age and you might think that you've arrived, that you've, you've learnt all there is to learn, that you know all that there is to, to, to know. But discipleship is a lifelong process. And we carry on learning as we press on and we try to become more and more like Jesus. And our destination, Paul talks about pressing on towards the goal, and our destination of course, is not a destination in this world. It's a destination in the kingdom of heaven. And in that destination, we want to become like Jesus. So, Paul says, follow my example. What was he talking about? Well, there's four things, really, that I want to share with you as we press on towards our destination. First of all, I want to, us to remember evaluation. As we press on towards our destination, I want to you to remember evaluation. What am I talking about? Well, face your faults. Face your faults. Paul says, not that I have already obtained all this. Paul isn't saying that he's perfect, that he's arrived, that he's there. He says, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Face your faults. Um, all of us have faults. We're not perfect. And that's why we can carry on learning and keep on pressing on and moving uh, forward. Um, the perfect minister, 
doesn't exist. You might have thought you'd, you'd found him or her, but, but they doesn't exist. And I know that because I came across this survey. Uh, and the results of the computerized survey indicate that the perfect minister preaches for exactly 20 minutes. I'll fail there, haven't I? He or she condemns sin but never upsets anyone. The perfect minister works from 6am until midnight in pastoral duties and also acts as church caretaker, administrator and music leader. The perfect minister is happy with £60 a week the church pays and gives £50 a week to the poor. The perfect minister is trendy but ordinary, extrovert and introvert, jovial and serious. The perfect minister is 28 years old, speaks fluent English, Greek and Hebrew, and is an experienced and gifted speaker. The perfect minister is excellent with the elderly, relates well to youth, and has a deep understanding of family issues. The perfect minister spends most of the time relating to those outside of the church, but is always available in the office when needed. If your minister doesn't measure up to these standards, simply send this letter to six other churches that are ready to change their minister. Then bundle up your minister and send them to the church at the top of the list. Within 12 months you'll receive 1,643 ministers. One of them should be perfect. There is a warning. Don't break the chain. One church failed to pass this letter on correctly and got their own minister back. Paul was honest in in recognising his faults. Uh, Nick Cuthbert, in his book, How to Survive and Thrive as a Church Leader, says, one of the most important things I've done in my life was to come to terms with what I was not good at and realise that that was okay. Um, as a church, we're thinking about the future, and we're looking at the future, aren't we? And we're thinking about what we should be doing. And uh, we have to recognise that we won't do everything perfectly. And if you go into the coffee lounge afterwards, you'll see uh, things that we're doing well, but you'll also things see a list of things that we, we could improve on, and things that we're not doing, because we've not arrived. There's a lot of room for uh, improvement. So face your faults. Uh, remember to evaluate, recognise uh, the things that you're not good at. Peter Scazzardi, in his book, The Emotionally Healthy Church, says, Many have received helpful training in certain areas of discipleship, such as prayer, Bible study, worship, discovery of spiritual gifts. Yet Jesus' followers also need training and skills in how to look beneath the surface of their lives, to break the power of how the past influences the present, and to live in brokenness and vulnerability, to know their limits, to embrace their loss and grief, to make incarnation their model. Face your faults. It's okay uh, to make mistakes. It's okay not to be perfect. Uh, because even the Apostle Paul uh, wasn't perfect. And then, as we press on towards our destination, uh, remember elimination. And uh, this is about forgetting the former Forget the former. Paul says, um, he's, he's forgetting the past. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead. Forgetting what is behind. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, we are uh, hampered by things that happen to us. I wonder if you can guess who said this. I've missed more than 900 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games 26 times I've been trusted to take the, the game's winning shot and missed. i failed over and over again, and that is why I succeed. Anyone have a guess who might have said that? David Beckham? Nope. 
It was this guy, guy. Uh, Michael Jordan, probably one of the most uh, famous and uh, best basketball players ever, uh, who failed over and over again, uh, but didn't allow that to stop him pressing on and continuing to try. And uh, sometimes we have to allow things of the past not to hold us back, not to hold us back as we press forward. Um, we make mistakes, and sometimes those mistakes can hold us and stop us moving forward because we think that we've, we've failed in this area. And, uh, of course, our God is the God of the second chance, the God that says, go again, go again. And maybe there are people here this morning that are being held back uh, because of things that have happened in the past uh, that, have, that have stopped them being able to move forward. And uh, Paul says, forgetting what is past, he moves forward. In The Lion King, uh, Simba is told a, a similar thing. Oh yes, the past can hurt, but the way I see it is you can either run from it or learn from it. And, uh, you know, there are many people that are running from their past, that, uh, that are held back. And Paul says, forgetting, letting go, forget the former. Uh, and that's about eliminating things that hold us back. So as we press on towards our destination, uh, also let's remember concentration. Let's remember concentration. Focus on the future. Focus on the future. We cannot change the church light bulbs. Our founders put it in new light bulbs. Maybe dangerous. It's not in the budget. So often our focus can be on things that have happened in the past. Rather than what's going on in the future. And churches, uh, many churches, you know, you walk into a church and sometimes it feels like you are walking into something from a bygone era. The buildings... Um, even the, the, the kind of the way that churches operate for many people, it, it, it seems like something from yesterday. And Paul says, you know, focus on the future. But one thing I do, I press on towards the goal. Remember concentration. But one thing, one thing I do. Do you remember a few months ago we had this thing about the one thing? It kept coming up. Uh, in different in different passages of scriptures that we were we were looking at, we were looking at uh, uh, the story of the rich young ruler, and Jesus said to the rich young ruler, "One thing you lack." And then when we were looking at the story of Mary and Martha, uh, Jesus said, "But only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better." And Paul here says, "One thing, one thing, I do." You know. Sometimes people are doing so many things, uh, trying to do so many things, that they're pulled in so many different directions. And as a church, you know, we can easily fall into this, you know, we've got to do this, we've got to do that, we've got to do this, we've got to be able to do that, we've got to be able to do that. And Paul seems to think, you know, let's make the main thing the main thing. Let's concentrate, focusing on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And maybe the question that we should be asking as a church is what is the one thing that we should be doing? What is the one thing that we should be concentrating? What should we be focusing our attention on? What is God calling us to do? Paul says, but one thing I do. Of course, Paul didn't just do one thing. He did many things, uh, but his concentration... And his focus was on one thing, and that was on following Jesus. 
and being like Jesus and encouraging the church to follow his example in concentrating the focus. When you focus, when you concentrate on, on one thing, you block other things out and you focus and you become determined in that one thing. Remember, concentration. Again, Steve Chalk in his, his book, The Apprentice, says, Jesus' first followers were apprentices. Says there, theirs was a whole life of active experience. Jesus' disciples learned from him, not just through him, not just through formal instruction, but through observation, imitation, and practice. A rabbi's apprentice rarely left his teacher's side for fear that he would miss a teachable moment. He watched his rabbi's every move, noting how he acted and thought in any given situation. Apprentices trusted their rabbi completely and worked passionately to incorporate his actions and attitude as well as his words into their lives. Disciples made their master the one thing that they focused on and they followed them everywhere, concentrating, watching them, observing and learning and then trying to put that into practice. They made it the one thing in their lives to follow Jesus. But one thing I do... I press on towards the goal. So as we press on towards our destination, remember concentration. And then finally, as we press on towards our destination, uh, remember determination. Fight to the finish. Fight to the finish. You know, I know some ministers who say, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather burn out than fade out. I'd rather burn out than fade out, which is a bit of a, a silly thing to, to, to say, really, because you don't want to burn out or, or fade out. Uh, you want to fight to the finish. You want to be uh, following Jesus right up until the end. And Paul says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul was determined. He was determined to fight to the finish. He was determined to make his life goal to follow Jesus Christ. And he was determined to do that. Whatever happened, whatever obstacles got in the way, whatever troubles that he faces, whatever opposition that he faced, he was going to fight on right to the end, to the finish. And, uh, you know... Sometimes in, in, in church life, we, we do get distracted, don't we? We do, we do get distracted and uh, sometimes we lose the focus. And part of our, our looking at the, the future and, and asking that question, you know, what is it should we be doing? It's because we want to press on. It's because we want to be within God's will. We want to be doing the things that God wants us to do. We want to follow Jesus. We want to... Uh, make the one thing the most important thing. And it's, it's not a great secret, really, what the one thing is, is it? Uh, the one thing is simply uh, that we're called to be disciples and we're called to make disciples. Uh, sometimes we can make church too complicated. We can complicate things. And uh, Paul seems to, 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 to focus things in and he says, this is where I'm going. I'm pressing on. I'm not going to be distracted by all these things around me. Uh, I'm going to press on and I'm going to fight to the finish. And there was a determination in Paul uh, to do that. So as we press on towards our destination, I like the way the message puts it. I've got my eye on the goal. 
where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. And I wonder sometimes, you know, have we let our eyes slip from the goal? Have we been distracted? Have we been pulled in in different directions? Are we determined to keep on following Jesus as we press on towards our destination? Fight to the finish, Paul says. So, as we press on towards our destination, uh, remember evaluation. You know, face, face our faults. It's okay if we're not great at everything. We can't be great and perfect at everything. And that's actually okay. We face up to the fact that we're never going to reach perfection. But we do evaluate uh, what's going on. And again, that's part of the process that we're going through. And then remember elimination. And, and this is forgetting the former. Uh, don't let things from the past hold us back. Don't let that old saying, you know, we've, we've tried that and it didn't work. And so we're not going to try it again. Don't be put off. Don't let people hold you back. Don't be put off by the past mistakes and the failures. And then remember concentration. And this is about focusing on the future, knowing where we're going, what it is that we're trying to do. And then it's about determination. And that's about fighting to the finish. So that's what Paul, that was Paul's example. And, uh, you know, we too need to be examples. Although we said we would never probably say that. Um, Because right now, you know, somebody is actually looking at you. Somebody's looking at you as a Christian. Right now, somebody is uh, is maybe praying because they've heard you pray. Somebody's uh, watching you fight your personal battle, battle. Somebody wants to be, actually, like you, believe it or not. They look at your life and they think, that's what I want to be like. Someone is cheering you on. Someone sees Christ in your life. Someone admires your strength. Someone may be even borrowing your faith because they have none of their own. Paul's example He sets himself up as an example. Dare we, dare we say, follow my example like Paul does. Dare to be a disciple. 